Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges they are facing. I'm Rachel Connolly from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, helping businesses connect with top tech talent, and today I am your host. Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the topic of going from startup to scale up within the health tech space. I am joined by Igor Bachman, CTO of Vivira Health Lab. Caroline Cozier, Director of Product at Pearscribe, Mikhail Mazzuccini, CTO at Vitalcheck, and Stein Liam. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So, Igor, if we could start with you with an introduction. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Um, cool. So, I'm Igor. I'm uh, the CTO of Vigor uh, Health Lab. I'm responsible for the tech and product uh, here in the company. Uh, I've been working here for the last two years, and we're building um, software medical devices to treat uh, musculoskeletal pain. Um, I've been in this industry for relatively long, uh, for about 20 years. Uh, but mostly uh, software development and all kind of uh, other software development roles. Yeah, that's what me. Thanks, Egon. Uh, Caroline, if you come to you next. Uh, yeah, I'm Caroline Cozier and I'm the product director at Carescribe. Um, so I've been with the organization for a year. Uh, we're a startup going into scale up um, in health tech, but in the area where we're getting apps into end user hands. So this is people with hearing impairment. Uh, and neurodiversity so we're kind of yeah developing kind of real kind of end user um, apps growing really quickly um, I look after our product team our user research and design team so that's me thanks Caroline Mikael we'll come to you next sure uh, Michele Mazzucchi uh, I am CTO at Vitalcheck uh, Vitalcheck is a project to increase access to uh, diagnostic tests um, uh, for uh, direct consumer testing previously I was with uh, Roche Diagnostics and previously I was also uh, like Caroline in the in the hearing impairment uh, uh, industry uh, cochlear implants and hearing aids. Uh, previously to that, uh, oil industry and others, and I've always been in technical roles. Currently, I'm CTO. Thanks, Miguel. Uh, Stein? Yes. Hello, my name is Stein Leon. Uh, I've been in uh, biotech, pharma, and medtech now for a couple of decades. Uh, the last role, I took over a company and built a diagnostic test for ruling out infections in prosthetic joints. I've recently handed off that company for uh, someone who's eminently suited to do the scale-up part of that company and are in the process of finding my next adventure. Thanks, everyone. Now that we are all introduced, let's move on to the topic and focus. So you all have a question or statement on going from startup to scale-up within the health tech space. As usual, I'm going to work my way around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So if we start with Igor, one of the first things that you wanted to discuss was competing for talent with the faster quote-unquote industries and how it links to regulation. Igor, do you just want to give us a little bit of context behind your question and then we can kind of work our way around the room to, to discuss it? Yeah, sure. So uh, whenever I interview uh, for any position, it's uh, it's becoming a little bit hard uh, to explain to people outside of the industry what uh, what this uh, this industry is all about and uh, the the limitations of it. Uh, so the the limitations are 
part which uh, which is always being uh, quite emphasized and it's a struggle to to explain um, explain why uh, those limitations are not only limitations but and like a necessity and so how can we overcome them and actually do some amazing stuff uh, despite or with them uh, along the way. Michaela, we can see you first for your take on, on the situation. Um, sure. Um, I, I fully agree with, uh, with uh, Igor and I always um, worked to present these as actually opportunities so there is a flip side to that as well and uh yeah it's uh, i have seen myself also these difficulties in in or these challenges uh in the interviews with uh, people coming from other industries um but in my experience it's uh it's really about uh framing it in the way which uh, igor mentioned so opportunities and you know why we do it that way and you know the importance of the work uh, which which is behind those regulations uh, and and this usually actually brings in a, a new angle uh, which strengthens the the purpose of this uh, of this job basically so yeah uh, i see it i see it as both a, a challenge and a, and an opportunity actually with talent uh yeah so kind of comments from me um uh yeah interesting question actually the the market's got a little bit better actually we're finding talent acquisition much easier this year than it was uh last year um, in the uk we spend a lot of our time being because uh, we're going you know startup scale up and getting our, our brand known we're spending a lot of time on how we present ourselves and the care scribe brand um and a lot of that is actually to attracting talent so we do uh we have linkedin champions um, to try and talk about the business, any of our hiring, we're recording videos from hiring managers just to kind of really talk about, you know, the business uh, and the culture. We have a very, very strong um, culture and how we uh, talk about that to, to attract talent. Um, I think in the product world, um, I'm actually probably pretty lucky because product managers tend to be very drawn to health and have high empathy and really want to be part of it. Um, so it's probably easier in product than it would be in engineering. So I certainly see a difference between our engineering teams and what they're motivated by. Their motivations are very, very different um, to product. Um, so product, it's actually pretty easy. A lot of people want to get involved in health uh, and very empathetic and really interested in outcomes um, for people. Uh, engineering, I definitely see uh, a very different mentality. We had a away day last week and we talked about our mission and vision statements and there's definitely a difference in how engineers will kind of identify um, with that. And actually the, the tech is actually more important um, and the team and, and how it's scaling. So we talk a lot about opportunity um, within a growing business um, and career progression for people that join us. Um, so that's kind of how, how we present ourselves. Stein, come see you on that. I think I'm going to uh, divide my answer a little bit differently than yours, Caroline. Uh, because for me, uh, I am within the biotech uh, background and education uh, sphere. And I see uh, software and IT becoming hugely more important, especially in diagnostics. But we still need to have a look at the biotech and the the medical expertise needed to actually understand what's going on in the patient. And from my point of view, I've, I've mainly focused on recruitment of the, the biotech side of, of talent. And I see a lot of interest in, in working for a startup and working on a product and 
building something and creating something and going out of university and doing something real, we can call it. Uh, I've not directly brought in software expertise into uh, my company. What we did was partner with other companies that had that expertise and were excellent in what they were doing. So instead of trying to build that as a department within our own company, we created the freedom to exchange the partner if we were not happy with what they were actually delivering to us. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Mikael, yeah, I was just uh, thinking on the input of uh, Caroline, which is absolutely true. Uh, and I see that also as a kind of um, responsibility of uh, of product management to uh, to um, impollinate throughout the rest of the organization this uh, this sense of purpose this uh, closeness to customers so it's not unheard of it's actually quite common uh, in the health tech space that you actually get very uh, very positive feedback from from customers and patients that actually benefited from your products in ways that truly changed their lives and product managers for the for the nature of their roles are are close to these and they are closer to customers and and these uh you know need to also arrive secondhand to engineering in order to maintain this culture maintain the, the sense of purpose which is actually there uh, so i i think this is a good opportunity and also uh, in a way a responsibility of uh, of product management to to really bring into the organization that you know the importance of that work and the value to society of of the product that is uh, being worked on. Yeah, Caroline? Yeah, I'll just actually just, that was an interesting comment, actually, and just a few more things we do on that um, within our business, because I, I really agree with that um, and how product management can, um, yeah, just kind of bring that sense of pers- purpose to the business and have that living and breathing with the engineering team and helping them, uh, yeah, and you know, I think we were talking about attracting talent, weren't we, and uh, making it a vibrant place to be. So, We've actually worked really strongly on our user personas recently. Um, so I've been talking very much about just, I've been talking about Isla and Ben in our organization with two kind of specific needs and bringing them alive um, as we as we talk about things. So we're kind of always talking about how we're solving problems um, for our users. Um, and actually that's gone down really well. And actually we have some quite jokey stories as well, um, but it, yeah, it, it's really kind of worked on bringing that alive. And also we're working really, um, hard on our, our UX outcomes uh, always seems a quite a dry topic but actually we're talking about what's the outcome and letting that live and breathe in sprints uh, and to be talking daily about what what the outcome um, of work is um, so that's been uh, yeah been working really well. Thanks Caroline and we'll say with you actually that one of the questions that you wanted to ask was um, growth into new markets and international markets and maybe how we can manage differences in regulated markets as well. Do you just kind of want to give us a little bit of context behind that and then we'll go around the room to get people's take? Yeah so it's just interesting in in the topic really so we're talking about you know start up to scale up um, so our organisation now we've you know we've got market entry in the UK and some quite sort of defined segments and we're looking ahead of how we grow and obviously that involves international growth um, and selecting new markets. Um, the obvious one is the US, uh, which we know is going to be difficult. Um, I was looking at Canada or Australia, we're sort of sticking to UK, uh, English speaking markets to start off with. It's kind of just more context behind that. Uh, from a previous organisation I worked um, 
we were a large organization and again did a lot of international growth um, and it was interesting some lessons we learned in going into new countries um, and how we probably didn't fail as fast as we perhaps could but we were definitely kind of doing that analysis of how which countries to go for and actually we picked too much um, too soon um, and yeah I'm just interested about as we look at new markets comments and, and experience people have got um, particularly around yeah perhaps um, US Canada Australia for for us right now thank you Caroline. I think it's a good question in that everyone on this call is I think located in a different place so um could be very relatable in terms of breaking into new markets but um Michaela, we'll come to you first on that. Sure. I have to say I don't have uh, a lot of experience in, uh, you know, in, in uh, entering new markets uh, in, a, in a startup uh, mode, basically. Uh, I do have the perspective from the enterprise and uh, there the approach is entirely different. You basically assume product market fit up front because usually you're going to have it just through your brand channels. Everything is established already. And so it's really about uh, two aspects mainly. So first is the preparedness you you have, you you, you know, uh, or you sense your project uh, of the market to buy the product based on existing customer base, for example. Uh, I you know I would suppose if. Uh, if I were in startup mode, I would just uh, run that through uh, polls or surveys. It's uh, it's more difficult, but it gets the same uh, you know indicator in a way. Uh, and the other one, which is very important, is uh, the 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 challenges which you expect to face uh, for the regulatory bodies. So depending on the angle you're coming from with your product. Uh, and uh, the you know the the existing market uh, already, then you might expect the product to be uh, certified um, more easily in the U.S. or in the EU and uh, or in other spaces like China, for example, and then basically decide that accordingly. Uh, so this is basically the two main reasons that uh, with an enterprise uh, hat uh, you would uh, address the question with. Thanks, we got a sign. If you come to you, have you had much experience of kind of breaking into new markets? Well, we have uh, gone into Europe and we have worked uh, with the FDA in the US and we worked with uh, many others uh, mapping out options. And uh, Caroline, what you mentioned, going into too many too fast. Uh, when you have an ambitious group of investors and you have an ambitious board, uh, going into too many too fast is is an easily achievable error to make. <laughs> so uh, you, you have to have some pushback and and be able to say, we, we can't master that yet. We need to grow, we need to, to learn, and we need to do this. Uh, but the two blocks, uh, the EU and the, the US, are generally coming together in wanting the same kind of, of information, wanting the same kind of issues cleared out, mostly consumer safety and do you really know what you're doing? Do you have control over what your product is actually going to do out there? So mainly these these things uh, come together. You can you can use uh, a lot of the same information and you can use a lot of the same reports and, and documentations uh, going into these different processes. And that saves a lot of, of time and energy uh, going forward. The language barrier in, in staying within the, the English word or going outside, uh, I think that's mainly a, a question of good partners and 
learning how to work with the, the national resources that you find and partner with and letting them actually take charge in their language and their culture. Uh, none of us can, can master everything anyway. So at some point, we have to let some of these things go. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Igor, do you have anything to add on um, yeah, so it, it really is, the, it very much depends on uh, the regulatory aspect of your product. If your product is very much uh, regulated, uh, then you're, uh, you're waiting uh, waited for a lot of uh, hurdles to jump um, and to overcome. And it, uh, it varies a lot between Europe and the US, but also inside Europe, uh, going even from Germany to France, it uh, it includes a lot of additional effort that you need to go uh, go through and, and to to check mark every box that uh, the government needs you to check. So but let, let's not kid ourselves. We're not Facebook. We cannot run fast and break things. It's not us. It's a it's a different industry, and it's good that it's uh, such. Uh, because we need to be much more disciplined and much more meticulous about what we do and our products that we provide to, to our users and patients. So it's just hard, just the way it is. Thanks, everyone. Um, Michaela, we come to you next on, on your question. So um, the first thing you wanted to ask was, what is the role of technology within the health tech space? Pretty self-explanatory, but just want to give a little bit of context behind that. Yeah, sure. Um, essentially, uh, health health tech and the healthcare space in general is is incredibly people focused for obvious reasons and so um, it's not trivial to see how technology can be brought into a space where uh, people mostly focus about uh, about people so you know nurses and doctors etc um, and and at the same time, these you know these difficulties also bring in some uh, some opportunities as well. And uh, it's important, I think, to to see these opportunities, to explain them, to communicate them properly uh, into the market to customers and also inside of the company to make sure to get the most out of it. And uh, I don't see this done um, consistently. I think now we are getting there a little bit, but you know, just to make an example, uh, Google, Amazon, Microsoft—they all tried to make um, various systems in the in the health tech space, uh, EHR systems, etc. They all failed so far, and this really shows the barriers, you know, the cultural barriers barriers in the market for technology. It's not a market which is you know all open to yeah common in and you know automate everything and you know i'll be i'll be uh open for you it, it really needs to be made uh, slowly in a very uh trustworthy way in a very respectful way for people um and at the same time the opportunities are huge uh, not only in reliability but also in uh in efficiency and so you know, I have my own experience uh, with that, but uh, I'm curious to hear from you guys, you know, what was your experience for the role of technology in your products uh, and the preparedness of the market to to receive uh, these these opportunities and uh, challenges in the organization to to see the opportunities and the uh, and, uh, limits uh, for this. Thanks, Michaela. Uh, Igor, if we come to you first on that one. 
Yes, thank you. So uh, I have a mixed experience here because, uh, well, it's sad to admit, but half of the experience is if the technology doesn't influence the bottom line of the um, healthcare provider, they don't care. They just don't care. If it's a hospital, um, then if your product will uh, increase the doctor's hours or reduce the waiting time of a patient uh, in a manner that will influence the bottom line, then it's beautiful. Then they buy it and buy a lot of it. So that's, that's half of the experience. Um, sometimes they are uh, true champions of, uh, of the people and uh, champions of uh, innovation and, and technology that can provide uh, us, us as, as tech providers, uh, the opportunity to to help them to do a better job. So, um, like in any case, uh, the tech is not uh, is not just a, a small a small caveat that uh, that will go away. No, it's definitely will take over and will uh, will eventually. And I emphasize eventually uh, will uh, uh, will break through the the barriers of uh, the bottom line and, and the cultural uh, differences of. Uh, the industry with the other industries um, and I do I do believe that it will become as such and we need to push through it. so we we cannot do uh, any changes without the doctors and the caregivers but they're not the the necessary um, starting point of, of the change it's the same as uh, it's a silly over overused example but uh, like Elon Musk changed the the car industry and he's like he's not a car provider so we basically can do the same uh, us as being techies like Steve Alstein do you have anything to to add on that first of all uh, Igor you are perfectly right and uh, from from my point of view uh, I don't view the technology uh, even though I I love the technology aspects of what we're doing. I don't view the technology as the, as the target. I view it as a tool. And I, th I think most startups need to ask themselves two questions. And this grows into a whole lot of complexity when you start going into details. But first and foremost, as you said, Igor, who's paying for this? And how can we make sure that they pay less? Any sort of product where the payer ends up paying more is not going to make it, or at least has to be insanely good to make it. And the second question is your user. How can you make his or her day easier? And all of those things breaks down into a ton of details. But if you have good answers to those two, in most cases, the technology will follow. And for, especially from the user side of you, uh, in most cases, technology will be obvious when you actually understand what the user needs and finds a way of actually doing that in a cheaper way than the system is providing today. This has been a, a long running debate uh, in, in my history, and I've, I've had some wonderful engineers who have been dying because they have to take these kinds of questions into consideration instead of coming up with the coolest possible product. And you have to win that discussion within your team. Thank you. Thanks, then. Finally, Caroline, can we come to you on that one? Yeah, um, interesting. So I think we, we've all pretty much said, yeah, that we're kind of there, you know, tech and health is all about solving problems. And I, I think probably all see success there. You're very grounded in using tech to solve uh, a problem, and that's where you'll see um, success. Um, and I, I just wanted to make an interesting uh, comment, probably on the back of what Mikkel said, in terms of uh, the big guys kind of having great tech. It's interesting seeing AI um, and chat GPT and all of those things. It's great tech that people now want to find 
problems to solve with the tech. So it's kind of almost starting, here's a tech answer, and now we're going to go and find a problem to solve. And I've seen that a little bit in our market, that actually some providers have been doing the tick box of, yeah, we've got AI uh, and, you know, doing big marketing splashes, we've got it. But actually, it's not solving the problem for the user. Um, and actually, they're getting bad outputs uh, that they don't like. And actually, it's really interesting about competitively and kind of branding and getting beyond that noise of, oh, we're doing this next great thing. You know, are, are you still solving the problem uh, for users? So actually, as it's matured a little bit, you know, tiny bit now, we're actually seeing bad outcomes for some of that. Um, AI. And I'd say particularly in the health space, uh, certainly where I, I came from, um, automating stuff is always for uh, medical staff uh, and nursing staff. Professional judgment is so important and they hate automation, um, really, really do. So you have to tone it back so much that you're providing some data to help them make a decision. It's not about providing sort of decision making. Um, so yeah, it's just really interesting now with all kind of the, the new tech and just keeping it grounded in how do we solve a problem rather than throwing tech and you know finding a problem to solve. Thanks, Caroline. It's fine. Did you have something to add on that one? Yeah, also one one very important legal aspect of the whole issue of solving a problem. Uh, I, with my background in diagnostics, uh, it's it's very clear that the legal implications are actually solving it. Uh, that is setting the diagnosis or advising the doctor are huge. And you as a company do not want to get caught on the wrong side of that one. <laughs> yeah. You are here to advise the doctor and the doctor needs to, to be totally responsible for what he or she does. Yeah, just a small point about the big providers. Uh, I do recognize recently that they are becoming more and more friendly, uh, this for the Europeans and the European regulation and uh, providing more solutions and platforms and, uh, well, even help uh, to to accommodate our needs so there is some progress i mean in the past definitely uh, they tried and failed uh, but uh, they're not giving up and it's i think it's a good sign thanks igor Mikhail? uh yeah i uh, i just uh, thought of uh, an interesting sentence which caroline said uh, to keep the technology already grounded and i fully agree i fully agree with what she said actually with what we said here uh, obviously, it has to move the needle in terms of bottom line or quality. Um, but uh, I think what's special about the, the the healthcare space on top of that is there are additional uh, fears, concerns uh, that are really unique to the to the healthcare space. So, for example, data privacy, right, uh, or security uh healthcare is the second most targeted industry for cyber attacks after uh, the financial industry and we we see catastrophical results uh for ransomware attacks on hospitals for example and so there is just a, an incredibly heightened uh, awareness uh, even if you do have a technology that would move the needle uh, it takes a lot more conversations and explanations and communications to customers to really establish a good acceptance of those. And I think, again, this is both a challenge and an opportunity because if you do it right, for example, if you do data privacy right, customers will see that this will be a, a differentiator for you and this will build you know more trust uh, on the side of the customers. There are also some um, additional 
purely technical um, challenges that occasionally uh, come up. So I remember, for example, in in a product we worked on in the past, uh, we decided to go fully, I mean, this was a networked product. It had to communicate test results uh, back to some hospital uh, systems. And uh, we decided to make it mobile. So it was, you know, it would reduce a lot. It would just increase convenience for nurses. And, and this required Wi-Fi. And this was phenomenally accepted by some customers, but for some hospitals that had uh, maternity wards, they refused to have Wi-Fi uh, enabled devices in, in, those, uh, in those wards. And this is something you can hardly predict upfront, right? So this is really something where you have to keep a lot of communication with customers uh, all the way down to the, to the way that the product will work uh, technology-wise and make sure that you fulfill those needs uh, and don't cut yourself out of potential markets, basically. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Stein, if we come to you on your first question, um, which was a question of how creative and engineering mindsets can help ideas to go to um, a regulated and a market-focused product. Would you mind just giving us a little bit of context behind that one first? When you start up, you have a small, dedicated, enthusiastic and creative team that are buying into some sort of idea. And this team needs to be able to evolve as you learn and as you develop and as your product starts taking shape. And you end up having multiple hats along the way. Uh, Everybody has to chip in on all the different uh, issues and problems. And suddenly you are responsible for something that you never thought you could master before, but you're learning as we go along and here goes. And then you reach that point where you start realizing that you are going to deliver a regulated product that will change people's lives and that will have to be documented to an amazing degree. And you have to start locking people into these different positions and they have to master their task and be more and more stringent in what they are doing in their uh, selected areas. Hopefully you have a team that actually fits somewhat when you start spreading it out. But of course you might also be seated with situations that you have your senior engineers and and very good people don't really fit into the matrix as it develops and still you want to keep the enthusiasm you want to keep progress you want to keep people's buy-in into that vision as it becomes tighter and tighter i would very much like to hear your ideas on on how to deal with that kind of process thanks time Igor. can we come to you first on that one yeah that's a tough one Okay, um, that's a really good question. The the way I try to go about it is uh, to to provide other uh, other playground. Let's call that. So yes, we we have a product which is a medical device. Yes, it's highly regulated and well documented. It needs to jump through all the hoops. Um, and with that, uh, we have other areas that we can uh, be a little bit more creative, and we have plans to uh, to expand to uh, also. Kind of a sandboxy uh, products uh, that can uh, can help us innovate and iterate and fail fast faster. Um, so the, there is no like the right answer here, uh, but but for me, I would say uh, just providing uh, additional tools and additional pre- playground sandboxes. And I have kids, so that's why <laughs> I'm I'm drawn to this uh, those analogies. Um, to to give them the opportunity to to express uh, all the creativity in the world that they have all the enthusiasm and not to uh, shut it off. Thanks, Igor. Caroline, we come to you. 
Yeah, really good question because absolutely precisely seeing that problem right now as we kind of go start up to scale up. So absolutely spot on uh, so I'm literally just dealing with that um, at the moment so I'm getting a lot of noise internally like yeah from kind of frustrations actually now after you go through that exciting phase of doing new stuff particularly see it within the product team particularly with design um, I think we're kind of designing new things are really really exciting now we're getting a bit bogged down in doing some parallel sort of segments the market fits pretty good we're having to iterate stuff that kind of you know we've had to get out fast and now we're kind of you know iterating a bit so they're kind of yeah precisely seeing that so one thing we're putting in place um interesting comments on this is that we're putting together what we're calling our innovation council um and actually this is a way that anyone in the business can bring an idea um to the leadership team um and ask it's almost like a kind of uh, you know, you ask for funding or resource to do something. So it is like, we'll come with an idea and what would you like to do? Would you like a hack day just to explore it a little bit more with engineering? It might not be even be a feature build. It might be new services that we can put in place. It's not even just restricted to, you know, building software. It might be better ways of doing things, supporting our customers, um, organizations and the end users. So it's you come with, with an idea, but then you ask for a next step. I would like to do this with it. I need this resource from the business. Um, it might be just, a, as I said, a hat day. It might be actually you're asking um, as it's sort of formed a little bit more. It might be a, you're actually asking for engineering time to build a prototype or perhaps design time and to do something. So it can go through sort of stages. So you just ask a little bit of investment for the business. And as a leadership team, we can try and take some of those um, through. Um, to innovate um, it's something we ran at another business I worked at and actually some of those ideas really did gain traction and became uh, you know sellable kind of products and services um, so we're going to trial um, that and it, it's received quite good sort of feedback that people would like to do that um, so there will be a leadership team that kind of listen um, to those ideas and a lot of it's actually just listening because it does get frustrating for people when they want to do new stuff um, and be able to kind of yeah talk about that and resource some of those ideas um, but also getting people to realize what it takes to take an idea it's easy to come up with an idea but to get the business more understanding of well, what does that mean in terms of how we would do that would it be commercially successful um so yeah so that's something we're gonna we're gonna try thanks caroline i think that's a really interesting idea um michael have you got any thoughts on on that um i i do um and it's really uh, a good question stein i think it's uh it's one of the biggest challenges uh, especially for going from startup to scale up and i mean i see three aspects to that so the the straight answer for me would be as a leader you need to do two things. You need to keep communicating the why, so why we are doing this, um, and and this will spontaneously allow some creativity to still be focused uh, on the on the purpose of the company, and uh, and this will provide for some of uh, some of the room which is uh, which is needed for that creativity. So that's the first. Um, the second is that uh, it goes a little bit in the direction that Caroline uh, mentioned. So basically make some room for for uh, some attempts, some uh, basically some playground 
to test new things and you know leadership should you know after one product has basically reached its stability and it's you know fully through its maintenance to you know move to the next step you know what's next um, and then there will be a part of engineering at least which will focus on the maintenance part and you know the more keen creative minds will will spontaneously focus on the on the new uh, toy and then the, the, the final uh, thing which I can, uh, you know, which occurs to me, you know, looking back at my experience is that some talent will simply leave and that's fine. And they will move on to a different project and, uh, you know, our company and, the, you know, the, the people who remain will still be uh, satisfied with uh, whatever, uh, you know, the organization needs at that point. Uh, but I, I think, you know, what's really you know, this is for top leadership. If we look into engineering at middle management, for example, what's really important is to not uh, become, uh, not be uh, enslaved by those uh, uh, QA processes. So, uh, you know, engineering, you know, good leaders in engineering should always challenge quality to really focus on what risks we have, how we mitigate them, and then do it in the leanest possible way so that the, the rest of the work can be uh, focused on the building part. Um, yeah, that's how I see uh, that thing. And, and it's really p perhaps the biggest challenge in, you know, in engineering uh, management uh, in organizations. Thanks, Mikhail Stein. I think you may wanted about something there? Yeah, I, mean, I threw out the question, but I purposefully didn't provide any sort of answer for myself. So I thought I could say something on that myself as well. Uh, Michele, uh, keeping quality lean, well, that's a challenge. They, that has a tendency to take everything, right? So yeah, uh, what I did myself uh, in this, uh, to face this ch challenge was mainly two things. One was value on pipeline. That's the playground, that's the future products, that's the value of creativity, but trying to keep it balanced. We need to progress towards goals, but it is a value to our shareholders, to our board, to every one of us on the team that we are actually developing pipeline as well. And that kept a lot of my guys happy uh, trying to find that balance. Another thing I did was actually bring in uh, third-party diagnostic tests, real simple diagnostic tests that we bought as a batch with a reader and we went to a medical conference within our field and presented these tests. And I purposefully brought with me my engineering team, not marketing people, but the engineering team. And they were standing there dumbfounded, seeing that we had a line of doctors looking at these simple devices that we didn't have quality assurance on, that we couldn't sell, that we didn't sell, but the interest from the doctors were immediate. This solves my problem. This is actually valuable. This is something I want. And my engineering team came home with huge eyes going, you can actually sell something that simple. And next discussion was, okay, can we go for design lock? We can actually sell something that simple. Can we move towards saying, we don't have to make it more difficult than it has to be so that we actually reach our target and progress without going into this hugely blown up uh, development space when QA ends up owning everything and ruling everything. So those those two things uh, in concert uh, helped me. Thanks, Stein. Thanks, everyone. That was a really interesting discussion in general. And um, that was today's Evolution Exchange podcast. Our thanks to all of our guests for joining us today and sharing their views with us. 
We would like to thank you for listening and hope you can join us again next time.